Have, have you ever had a problem and you're just trying to figure out life? Because a lot of people are. And I, I don't even know everybody's story, but I can tell you that's, that's what happens is we're trying to figure out, Lord, why, why is this? Lord, I'm, I'm not trying to upset you. And, and, and Lord, for some reason, I just feel like that I, I can't get a, a grip on life and I can't get ahead in life and I can't overcome and I can't fix this. The Bible says in John 11, and, and I'll read it for you. Now a certain man was sick. Just so you guys know, that's how this started. It didn't say a certain man died, but the Bible says a certain man was sick. A virus had entered into his body or a sickness or a disease had come into him. And that sickness was going to take a toll on him. It was going to work through him. It was going to break him down. Tear him apart. And, and his body did not, in and of itself, did not have what he needed to resist or put it out And eventually, you guys know the story of what happened to Lazarus. His name was Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and his sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. His brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold whom thou lovest is sick. Now, I'll tell you, we read... We read stories like this in the Bible and we come back and say, well, that's a great story. You realize that every line, every jot, every tittle, every dot has application to our lives. This story right here that God gave us in Scripture was not just about Lazarus dying. It was about your life and my life. See, things in our life go bad. There's, there's this virus, and just so you guys know, drawing the comparison of what's going on here, the virus... And our life is called sin. And, and just so you guys know, when we were born in this world, we were all infected with this sin, with this sickness called sin. And this, this sin destroys. This sickness affects your life. Your sickness will get into your marriage. This sickness will affect the relationship you have with your kids. And it, it affects your finances. It affects everything. Why? Because that's the world that we live in. He said, man, I don't want to hear it. That's the truth. By the way, just so you guys know, there, there is no perfect marriage. You come in here today and say, you sit down with your wife and you're looking over your shoulder saying, man, I, I, wish, I wish my marriage was as good as their marriage. Or I, I wish my kids listened like their kids. Let me tell you guys, we're all infected with this disease. We all have fallen short. We all struggle. And people have that idea. Well, everybody at church has it all worked out. I'll tell you, we're struggling with the same disease. The only difference is, is we found the antidote. What's happening in this passage is uh, Lazarus is beyond hope. The sickness that he had in his life was taking toll on him and brought him to the point where it was beyond hope. It's what sin does. I want to read another passage. It's in John chapter 10, verse 10. The Bible says, The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. In this world, the enemy that we face, sometimes we portray Satan. You guys know what I'm talking about, the little character that sits on your shoulder, the little red suit, pitchfork. You know what I'm talking about? You guys with me? Are you guys awake? I told them, don't bring the lights back up or their eyes will go in shock when we do the next play. Now I'm thinking, man, I hope they're not falling asleep on me. Satan does not come at you is a little red dude on your shoulder whispering in your ear. The Bible describes him as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
He's not out to play with you. He's not out to, there is no parties in hell. And the sin and the, 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 the whole worldly lifestyle that he tries to portray of living it up, I'll tell you, there's a price tag attached to that that you will not want to pay. And the sickness that the Bible talks about, the man behind the sickness that was introducing it from the very beginning, his name was Satan. And the Bible says his agenda, the thief cometh not, Satan cometh not but to steal. That's his job. That's his goal. That's his objective, to steal. His goal is to steal your joy and steal your love and rob your marriage and and take away that relationship with your kids. He's behind this virus. If it was only that simple. See, the thing is, he's, he's working this way and he's not going to stop and he's not going to quit because the Bible says he came to still kill and destroy. Just like that virus, that sickness that came into Lazarus' life, it, it, it did not leave until it drained its course and it destroyed. And I'm telling you, all of us have this sickness in our life and it's going to run its course and it's not going to stop until when? It takes everything you love. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you guys something that I'm going to be very transparent. I, I want you guys to know that's how we should be. I, I want to, and you say, well, I don't want anybody offending me. I'll tell you, if you went to the doctor, you want them to shoot you straight. Doctor, just tell me what's wrong with me because I want to fix this. I'm, I'm going to tell you, God has told us straight up what's wrong. Here, here's, I'm going to tell you a big problem of what Christians and lost people have done. We have settled with trying to cope in life rather than conquer our problems. We have settled with just trying to say that I'm hurt. And you know what? When you struggle with that illness and you struggle with that marriage and you struggle with trying to get your kids' attention and I just want them to listen to me and I just want them to love me. I just want to dig myself out of this pit of finances that I'm in. And after a while of fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting, you turn around and you just get, you just get numb. You get worn out. He said, I don't, even want, I don't even want to talk to her anymore. And, and my kids are going to do whatever they're going to do anyways. I'd rather not even know what they're into. We, we end up getting into that coping rather than conquering. God has not left us here to cope with our problems. He's left us here to conquer our problems. Last Sunday was great. Jesus came out of the tomb and we watched him as he walked down. and He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Let me tell you, that same power is here today. He, he didn't leave it at Easter Sunday. And here's how, we, here's how we cope with our problems. Do you know why alcohol is such a problem in our nation? In church and out of church? Do you know why we're abusing prescription drugs when we get that medicine and we're trying to say, well, I'm just going to take an extra one. I'm, I, I'm just stressed. I'm tired. And we turn to pornography and we turn to overeating and we turn to different things that do not fix the problem. You know what they actually do? They steal, kill, and destroy. They're band-aids. See, in this story that we're showing you, all of Mary and Martha efforts failed. Everything they tried to do did not work. Because the sickness, the virus, the disease that entered into Lazarus' life was greater than they were. Your problem is greater than you are. And it came down to it that they were beyond point. And at this point of the story, it was over.
and you get to the point, and you just think, hey, I know the facts. You know, if you add it all up, there's just no way. No way. You know, because if we can't figure it out in our minds, we just have the conclusion that this is just the way that it's going to be. And all of my efforts and everything that I did, but you got to understand that this story was for us. If God wasn't going to come here today and say, let me tell you what I want you guys to learn from this. Let me tell you what could change your life from this story. It's this. Here's what God wants you to know. Number one, you can't fix your problem without him. You cannot fix your problem without. And in John eleven twenty one, and Martha said when she ran up to Jesus, and I know you guys just saw the story. Martha ran up to Jesus and said, Lord, if thou would have been here, my brother had not died. Lord, if you would have been here, you know how great it would be if we all recognize that that is the answer. If you would recognize that in your life, that your problem is bigger than you are. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get real, real with you guys because I just want, if, if you have that hidden sin that you're trying to conquer, you're not going to get it by yourself. You might have that, that, that drug, that problem, that porn, that addiction, whatever it is, and you try to cover it up yourself. It is bigger than you are. You got that marriage and you say, I, I've got this figured out. You know what I'm going to do? As long as we go to church and everybody thinks we look good and then you get out to the car and you never talk and there's no communication. You know what is happening? There's a virus in your marriage that's sucking you dry and taking your life. It's amazing how we try everything to fix our son and daughter, and yet they still push us away. You try to conquer the areas of your life, but it just seems like you just two steps forward, two steps back. You guys know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You're financing, you're just saying, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Here, here the thing is, Lord, I, I know that you're able, and maybe some of you are at the point where you've never even pulled the Lord into it. You're thinking, Lord, why can't I get out? The Lord wanted them to very much realize, and you just say, four days later, why? And the Lord was teaching them a lesson. Without me, you cannot do it. And you got people in this world that are trying to get their head above water, and they're trying to do it, and you just, hey, why, why don't you come to church or try God? And it's like, when I get this worked out, or if I get above this or whatever, let me tell you, you're never going to get worked out until you are inter, uh, introduced to the one that can if you are trying to make it happen, it will never work of yourself. And all the numbing agents in the world are not going to fix your problem. If God was going to tell you what he wants us to learn from this story, he wants you to know that he cares about you more than you'll ever know. See, the thing is, here's our thinking. If I'm going through a hard time, where is Jesus? Because if he, was, if he truly loved me, he'd fix it. Do you guys pick up on that part in this story? You know, you're just saying... Where is God? Where is God? You can imagine Mary and Martha every single day, even maybe day one and day two. Is he coming? Is he coming? But at a certain point, they were like, there's just no way. Why doesn't God fix my problem? Have you ever wondered that? Man, if, if God loves me so much, if God is in control, if God is a loving God, you, you guys, you've heard all the cliche statements. If God loves me, he would take this away. In John 11, verse 33, Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. It, they, I, they knew the Lord knew this already. But the message of running up to the Lord was saying, Lord, the one that you care about so much is sick. Almost to say, 
I can't believe you're not there already. Lord, you know all. You knew this before it ever happened. Lord, why weren't you there? Lord, why weren't you there when my mom was sick? Lord, why weren't you there when I lost my job? Lord, why didn't you intervene? And we almost get bitter in our hearts trying to sit back and shake our fist at God, saying, if you're a loving God, then why? I'm, I'm going to show you guys. Let, let's get a little deep in this passage. In verse 11, or, or chapter 11, verse 3, he says, He whom thou lovest is sick. Now notice the response of verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. There's a powerful message right here. The, wor- the verse... Uh, Three, when it says, whom thou lovest, they used the, uh, the Greek word was phileo. It was uh, that, that friendship love. God, you know that guy that you're, you're fond of, that you, you stay at our house and we eat with you and he, he cares for you. You know that guy that goes to church with you and he sings about you and he loves you and you love him? And God says in verse 5, he says, oh, the one that I love, that, that word in verse 5 is uh, Agape. It went from phileo to agape, and you say, what does that mean? Oh, that's God's love. It's not our love. See, we have this idea that it's a superficial love, but when God responded to them and said, oh, the love that I love you with, the unconditional love, the cross love, the die on the cross for your sins love, the, the carry your pain and your, your shame and the, and the die and to be stripped and to be scourged, that love, yes, that is how I love Lazarus. Because we get to the point where we just realize that we have this mindset that God does not care. That if God cared, he'd intervene. But here's the thing, that God cared so much that he had it all worked out. It's so cool to see the contrast of this. There's a deep statement being made here. But in our flesh, we doubt God. We do. And you can spiritualize this all you want. You can sit there and go, God's in control, whatever. In your heart... When your daughter's sick, you'll you'll doubt God. When you get that phone call and you say, oh, it's cancer, in your heart, in your flesh, we sit there and we grieve. Mary and Martha were not wicked people, but they were struggling with this. I want to jump forward and show you this. Verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, Jesus shows up on the scene just like we just showed. And the Jews also weeping, which came with her. He groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold, how he loved them. Mary and Martha run up to Jesus and the Bible describes them weeping. Now if you're to take that passage, that word weeping in that passage literally is wailing. You can imagine when you sit just like, man, if you would have been here, Lord, you are the hope. You could have changed this. Their hurts became his hurts. As this is one of the most popular passages in Scripture. If you want to walk out of here and say, hey, I memorized Scripture today at church. Memorize that verse. Jesus wept. You, you got one down. You can brag on that. Post it on Facebook. Jesus wept. I got that one. But, that, but that, the whole identity of what's going on with that is the fact that Jesus was identifying with their pain. Jesus was saying that it matters to me. Jesus was saying that I care about you. I never turned my back on you. It's not that I didn't not care. God was teaching them something in the middle of this. See, the thing is, God cares. He cares for you. He cares for you when you're on the mountaintop. And I tell you, he cares for with, with you when you're in the hospital bed. He cared for you when you got that job. He cares for you when you lost that job. 
He cared for you when you were giving birth to that baby. He cared for you when that baby walked out the door and slammed the door on your face. He never stopped caring for you. It's only in our flesh because we see the circumstances around us not understanding that God cares for us in the midst of the pain. People have asked me and says, Pastor Tony, you explain this. Why do bad things happen to good people? And I'll tell you, because good people live in a bad world. You want to say, I I hate this. Why, Why do we have to deal with this? The curse is here until God takes us home. There is cancer. There is divorce. There is funerals. There is frustration. There will be arguments. There will be all of these things until God takes us home. But this is what I love about this. The whole passage that God is giving here is God walked up to Mary and Martha and God stepped in. The lesson that God was trying to say is God steps into your brokenness. God stepped into their pain. God stepped into their tears. God stepped into their hopelessness. God so desperately wants you to call out and say, Jesus, the one that you love, I'm hurting. I'm broken. I'm pressed beyond measure. I'm wore out. I'm tired. Lord, I need you. Jesus stepped into their situation, but here's the best part. If God wants you to understand what he's teaching you, the message that God has for us, you can't fix this without him. He cares more about you than you'll ever know. And here's the last thing. He gives life to that which is dead. And I I know this applies in a lot of ways. Verse 17 And then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in in the grave four days already. Now, Jesus had raised the dead before. This wasn't an uncommon thing for him to have the power, but this was much different. It would have been a miracle if they would have said, Lord, he's been dead for an hour. Okay, let's rush in there. Okay, that would have been a miracle. One day, two days, three days, four days. You guys know what, what happens. It, it, the, the Bible says that after four days, they gave up hope. And, and rightly so. What, what happens after four days? The, the, Jesus says in verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though they were dead, yet shall he live. Let me word it like this. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Even though you thought it was impossible, it's not impossible for me. Do you you get that that's the message that God is giving in here? Even though you thought that there is no way. God said there is no situation in your life that is beyond help and without hope. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I bring dead things to life. He had the power to step into their messes that were beyond hope and beyond fixing. Only God can do it. That's what God was doing. Verse 39, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. I looked up the Greek word for that word stinketh, and it says teenage boy. That's what I got out of that. If you didn't know what that was, I'm not going to name all the teenage boys that this involves, but we had a bunch of teenage boys over my house, and my wife said, they were all hanging out in the basement, and they had a big activity, and they went down there, and my wife said, honey, those boys stink, and I'm like, her and her sensitive nose and all this other stuff. No, I, She said, no joke, I went down there, the whole place smells like B.O. and in, in, in other things, it's horrible, it's just... 
And I said, babe, it can't be that bad. And the Lord is my witness. I opened the top, the, at the top of the steps, the door, and I about knocked, I fell over. <laughs> so I was like, whoa, just knocked me over. You realize what the Bible is saying, and they all were like, Lord, uh, you know, you're God and all, but uh, let me tell you, four days, he stinks. He's dead. He's rotten. He's decaying. It's falling apart. It's beyond hope. He's stiff. It is done. And God says, that's exactly what I wanted you to think. That's exactly the situation that I wanted you to understand. Because our God is the God that gives life to that which is dead. The Bible doesn't just say that God gives life. We all know that. Every time you had a baby or when somebody is saved, man, God gives life. But God didn't just say that I give life. God said I am the resurrection and the life. I give life to that which was dead. I give life to that which was beyond hope. Something happens here. Very important you say, well, I need the application. I'll tell you, I don't want you coming here without the application. See, when you think that your finances is beyond hope, or your marriage is without hope, and you say, Pastor Tony, if you want to talk about my marriage, I'm going to tell you how it is. It stinketh. <laughs> my, 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 the romance in our life is dead. <laughs> there, there is nothing there. There is no raising this. It is gone. Lord, it's dead. Literally meaning, Lord, it's beyond hope. How many times, how often in our lives do we think that way? Some of you right now have a situation or a a problem in your life that that's the way you're thinking of. Well, Lord, I'd pray about that, but just to be honest, there's, there's just no way. There is no loved one too far for God to save. There's no husband, I don't care if he's been rejecting coming to church in your entire life, there's no husband that's beyond reaching. There's no child that is beyond so rebellious that God cannot reach into their life and restore them. There is no marriage that's too messed up. There's no past. I don't care how many abortions you've had. I don't care how much drug addiction you have. I don't care how many times you were in and out of juvie and in and out of jail. God can raise your dead in your life. That's how our God works. God steps in and you say, well, how does he do it? God's saying, all right, I want you to get this. Verse 43, and when they had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Do you guys know why he had to say Lazarus? Because every dead body would have walked out of there that day. It would have been night of the living dead right there in the Bible story. Zombie movies have nothing on this scene. And he that was dead came forth. I don't think you guys get it. The one that was impossible. There's no way God spoke the words. There is power in the words of our God. There is life in the words of our God. They're greater than your words. They're greater than your lectures. They're greater than Dr. Phil and Oprah. God has the power to do what you cannot do. You see, you've got to understand, those same words spoke the world into existence. Those same words and that same breath breathed life into Adam and Eve when, he, they, when they were created. God has the power through the breath of Almighty Creator, the one that created life to begin with, to breathe life, to speak life into that which has no life. You say, what is the solution to my life? I hold it right here in my hands. 
And you say, well, church isn't a big deal, and I'm not beating up anybody that just says, you've been out of church. Man, I'm glad that you're here. But I tell you, out of all the things that you can do to change your life, you need God to speak life into you. This is God's holy word. I know we call it the Bible, and it is God's word. But never forget that it is God's words. He spoke it. He said it. It is his spoken word to us. It can fix. It can change. It can turn around. It can resurrect. When we leave this out of our life and we sit there and we're on the other side and we're not involved in church and we're not a relationship with God and we're sitting there trying to fix our finances and trying to fix our kids and trying to fix our marriages and try to overcome our past. We're trying to conquer our addictions and you're saying, I can't, you can't, but he can. This is life. This is a resurrection. And, and you say, why are you doing it this way? Last week and this way, I'm just telling you guys behind the scenes, I said, we have got to preach so that they know that this is still relevant today. This isn't a past thing. This applies to our life every single day. And yes, God spoke the words and Lazarus came forth. But that same power is here right now. I've got to give you the key to it as we close. Here's the close. Look look at this. John eleven forty, I said, I want that. I, 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 you say, Pastor Tony, I, I have felt where I'm, I'm beyond help. I, I have really wanted to give up. And maybe you're even to that point of contemplating suicide. And you say, why would you mention that? Because I hear this stuff all the time. And I'm not afraid to say it up here because I'd rather say it here than at your funeral. I'd rather speak the truth now so you know it, so you can fix it, because God cares about you. The Bible says that Satan is a liar. He'll come up to you and say, God does not care, and the church does not care, and your parents don't care, and that's a lie. So how do I fix it? Jesus said unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou thou shouldest see the glory of God. Do you know what's lacking in your life to make this more than just a book? You have to believe to know that God is able and God desires and God can.